You're listening to a Do What Moves You production. Adventure has taught me to trust. Like, you have to, like, when you're surfing in the ocean, you can't control a wave. You can control your bike, you control running, like, in a triathlon, but you can't control the ocean. And so you have to just surrender her. And I know that sounds cheesy, but, like, it's a really good lesson that I've taken in business. That was Shelby Stanger. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Today on the podcast, I sync up with Shelby Stanker, author of Will to Wild, Adventures Great and Small to Change Your Life. This book is super amazing. And Shelby is the host of one of my favorite podcasts, REI Co-op's Wild Ideas Worth Living, where she interviews all kinds of incredible adventurers from around the world. And of course, Shelby is an entrepreneur and has a very cool story about how she started and where she is now. Get ready for a super fun conversation. We talk about Shelby's career, early days, how she started the podcast and sold it to REI, her new book, and the inspiration behind the book, and her own personal adventures inspiring her for success, including surfing, hiking, and running. You are going to love this conversation. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple. It's easy. Head over to your Apple app, whatever device you're listening on, click on the Marnie on the Move podcast, scroll through the episodes to the stars, click on five stars, and then in very tiny text, it says, leave a review. Click on that. Leave a review. Tell us what you love. Also, share this conversation on your social channels. Tag us. We'll tag you back. Now, on to the convo with Shelby. I'm so psyched to have you on the podcast. Shelby, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me on, Marty. It's really cool to talk to another podcaster, adventure, athlete, businesswoman. It's awesome. I've been listening to your podcast, Wild Ideas Worth Living, for which you do with REI Co-op. I discovered it two years ago. We were just talking about this. And I've been listening ever since. I live vicariously through these conversations. How did you start the podcast? Where did this idea come from? Gosh, it came from a long time ago. But basically in 2015, 16, I had quit my job. I was running international marketing and sales at Vans, which was amazing. There was another guy I worked with. And we had this like dream job. I quit to be a journalist in 09 at the height of the recession. Not a smart decision on paper, but a decision that ultimately changed the course of my life. Was doing adventure journalism for everybody from like ESPN to Outside Magazine. And then I was reporting on the business of the outdoor and action sports industry and interviewing all these CEOs. And I wanted to create a business and magazine stories were getting cut. And honestly, I don't love writing. Like I love interviewing people. I love people. (laughs) I love interviewing people. And I was like, I wish there was a way to like write these journalism articles with just the interview. And not like all the writing and condensing it and making it sound all like weird and only cut. And I didn't like cutting quotes. I had these very rich interviews with people like Wim Hof, Iceman, like early Wim Hof interviews. And they were getting cut and 
just condensed in a way that I didn't really think that his story should be shared. I mean, just not doing justice to these wonderful stories. And someone was like, you should start a podcast. And my partner, Johnny, and I, we were listening to Tim Ferriss's podcast a lot. And I love Tim Ferriss. But he was mostly interviewing tech men. And I wanted to interview, I wished he'd just interview some adventurers and some women. Just more women. He interviewed yeah. some. But and there really weren't any women like, podcasters back then either. Not too many. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start this. And then a friend suggested I start it as a business and take an accelerator business course while I was doing it. And I was like, that's a great idea. She told me about it while we were surfing. The business course started that day. I had like a couple PR clients. I was kind of in transition. And I showed up to this class soaking wet hair. Uh, day one, you had, you had to write your business plan. And I decided my business plan was going to be this podcast. I'd been thinking about it. I had been like dreaming about it. I'd been writing it out on sticky notes. And then the last day of the class, which was three months later, so totally doable and manageable, but I had to have my product and present it to a team of investors, which in the podcast world meant I had to have three shows up and a trailer, which was really hard, but it forced me to do it. So there was a lot of things I learned at that moment. So long story short, I started the podcast in 2016 and it was kind of a wild idea, but I'd really been obsessed with the power of adventure since I was a young woman. And one, because I taught surfing to women and I saw what just learning to ride a few waves did for women. Two, I had been a writer my whole life. I had some experience doing sales, doing marketing, and I loved interviewing people. And I just had this idea to showcase people doing wild things, things that people said, you're crazy for doing. It doesn't make sense on paper. Because those are the things I always wanted to do, but struggled with, like making decisions for me that especially don't always make sense on paper, tortured me over the course of my life. And I wanted to figure out how others did it. How did they get over fear and failure and imposter syndrome, self-doubt? And so I started this podcast and then I just turned it into the book that's behind you, which is cool. It's amazing because I, you know, obviously when I saw that you came out with a book, I wanted to get in touch with you because I know you, maybe you were doing interviews and I've always, like I never... I don't know. I don't know why I never reached out before, but whatever. The book. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Your book is seriously amazing. I love how you use adventure as a vehicle to get people to get out of their comfort zones and to dial into themselves and understand if they're looking for their why or they need a sign or they don't know what they want to do. And I think, you know, a lot of people feel like that after the pandemic. And even though people are back in the flow and the pandemic is over, it's like everyone's kind of still spinning around figuring out what it is they are doing or, you know, even if what they're doing is super successful, maybe that's not what they want to do anymore. And this book is kind of like a great way to dial into that. Well, thank you. I mean, the truth is, is there'd been so many times where I was searching, like, and trying all sorts of things, you know, I've gone to the guru and to millions of yoga classes and retreats and, you know, people are trying all sorts of things today. They're trying psychedelics, they're trying you name it. And just over the years, I've watched and firsthand experience and then interviewed people that have shown me that like, there's no better way to get unstuck and to build courage than doing an adventure. And, and I think there's a couple of reasons why. One, nature itself is so healing. And even today, I was going to go to yoga class. I kind of like had a rough night last night. I, I don't normally have rough nights, but I, uh, I got in a fight with a family member that I hadn't oh, fought with since I was a little kid, a sibling, and we never fight. 
And it really upset me. And I was like, I'm just going to go to yoga class this morning and like reset my nervous system. And then I walked, I ran by La Jolla Cove, which is this beautiful ocean, where, but it's like flat and people swim across it often. And I ran back to where I'd parked my car by the yoga studio and I grabbed my bathing suit and goggles out of the car and I was like, I'm just going to go swim the cove. And it was kind of scary because lately these seals have been like barking at tourists and getting pretty close. <laughs> so there was a little bit of an element of having to have courage because seals are in heat this time of year and, you know, beaches are getting crowded and they think it's their area. Humans are think it's their area. Aggressive? I don't know if anybody's really been bit or anything, but they like bark. And there's some Instagram videos if you Google La Jolla Cove seals, like kind of chasing people out. Oh, my God. Just lying on the beach. Not in the water, though, not swimmers. So I was a little nervous, but the water looked beautiful. And I swam turtle pace like there was a granny swimming next to me at the same speed. Just a quarter mile buoy out, I saw all sorts of things, some things I didn't want to see, like, you know, seaweed moving around and dark stuff. And I just kept swimming. And, you know, on my way back in, as I was driving to grab a coffee, I was like, that was perfect. And I got all these answers about why I reacted the way I did last night that I could never have gotten by paying someone hundreds of dollars to listen to me. And that, you know, I'm not saying that therapy is bad because... By all means, therapy can be really positive and healing. I just had a lot of it as a kid and I, because my mom was a social worker and a therapist and, and I had a father die young and so she's like, we should go to therapy. But I think in the water, just like I did as a little kid after my dad passed away and I started surfing, I got a lot of answers that I could never have gotten just on land. I, there's something that happens to your brain. First of all, adventuring in nature slowly, walking, hiking, swimming slowly in the ocean, it tricks you into meditating. And it makes you be still and quiet enough where you can start to unravel these things sort of unconsciously, but it's also so joyful. And it is a little scary. So afterwards, you just have all these things. Like, I felt courageous today. I felt relaxed. I felt like I had insight. And I don't know any activity that gives you all these benefits as one at once than going outside into nature. And with yeah. this book, everybody's like, oh, Shelby, like you're going to tell people to go climb Mount Everest. No, I, I'm not even going to climb Mount Everest. I have no desire. I want people to just have some sort of relationship with nature, whether it's watching the sunset or the sunrise, having a garden, planting plants. Like, yeah, it doesn't have to be big. I get that. I mean, I get a lot of that from running and I walk my dogs every day and I go outside and I'm listening to Andrew Huberman, a certain amount of sunlight (laughs) per day, but I don't need to, like, I'm always outside. So, but I do think that there's a difference between like just going for a run, doing something that maybe you're not so comfortable doing, like going for a swim or, you know, getting a little bit out of your comfort zone and then being able to accomplish that and say you did it and then continue on with your day. Do you feel different running on trails than you do in the city? I definitely feel different running on trails. First of all, there's no trails here. So I don't really run on trails. I mean, I'll go out to about Central Park, Central Park. I like Central Park. It's so I'm very dialed into like the whole bio photon energy from the plants and the greens and the ocean and the water. So I really when I go to Central Park, I feel recharged. I did do some trail running when I was in Utah when I was covering uh, the Ironman World Championships. And 
I liked it. I mean, it was in the desert. And then we also went on a hike, which I've never done in my life. I mean, I thought like walking in Montauk was hiking <laughs> over the dunes, but like this was very different and I was terrified. And I still think it was the best thing I ever did. And I would not have normally gone on a hike. That's really cool. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a runner. I, I grew up running cross country and, and cross country was awesome as well. I played soccer. I ran cross country. My parents are city people. My dad was from New York. My mom was from Pittsburgh. We lived in San Diego because my dad was a dentist for the Navy and he didn't like sand. And so like, we didn't go to the beach as kids, but I went to this surf camp like the summer after my dad passed away suddenly of a heart attack. And, you know, as a kid, I just took with it the lesson that life is short. Like he died suddenly. It was so sudden. He was here. He said, good night. I love you. Wow. That night he went to the hospital to pick a prescription for what he described were symptoms of, he said stomach ache, but he described classic symptoms of a heart attack. On the way home, he had a heart attack in his car and we just never saw him again. And that summer I went to surf camp, How which was really fun. 11. So summer I turned 12, I went to camp. And one night at surf camp, we got to do an overnight and we slept on the sand and saw stars at night and we got to eat pizza out of a box. And like, I'm sure there was like pizza and sand in my hair. And there was a cute boy sleeping next to me. And we got to eat marshmallows and go in the water at like nine at night. And I just woke up and the kid next to me told me that when I woke up, I had a smile on my face. And he's like, you are smiling in your sleep. He's like, that's so weird. <sighs> and I was like, that's pretty cool, actually. And um, I think that's the thing about nature and adventure yeah. is every time I do it, you feel like a kid. And we take ourselves so seriously in this world, yeah. like especially since the pandemic. Like everything got really serious. The pressure is always on. And I think the more times that we can take the pressure off and go back to these kid-like moments, which are abundant in nature, the better we feel. Yeah, I agree. I think that you, did you send an email out about something like that? What is it called? You you have like a name for it that I got your email. That was so well, cool. I was like, wait, been, what is this? And I've, then I looked back at it. Yeah. I've been, I've been, I've been hearing a lot about big D energy and I thought it was so funny because I have a little bit of an inappropriate sense of humor and big D energy is like I know, big dick energy. Totally. And I was like, well, what about big kid energy? Like, that's what we have. That's what my husband has. That's what I have. Like, yeah. we got big kid energy. So BKE. And I've been leaning into it a lot this summer, yeah. mostly because, well, I have a niece and nephew who are young, but like writing a book kind of sucked in some ways. It was really hard. Publishing it has been beautiful. Connecting with people, having readers tell me that like a certain chapter resonated with them and changed their life and they're going to go on a trip with their mom. Um, that part has been epic, but like sitting in front of a computer when you're like a little ADHD yeah. and you really like being outside and then having to rewrite five different drafts, that I didn't expect. I'm a newspaper journalist and magazine journalist by trade. Yeah. And the the speed at which editing a book happened was too slow for my brain. I was like, this is too slow in 2023. This thing should happen way faster. And publishing is just kind of an antiquated industry, to be honest. It's yep. beautiful. It's awesome. Books are amazing. I'm so glad I did it. I loved the publisher I ended up with, yeah. uh, Ronnie at Simon & Schuster, but it wasn't easy for my brain to deal with. I have to say that what I, what I like about your book, I know you're saying it wasn't easy, but like it feels like easy to read, right? So it's like easy to Thank digest you. and that easy was a to goal. read. Yeah. 
And I think that's, you know, and, and, and I think that's the hardest thing. I'm not an avid reader. I just read a lot of books for like if I'm working or if yeah, I'm you're an athlete. someone. <laughs> I'm an athlete. I have ADD also. Like I can't, I can't yeah. sit, sit still. I can't, you know, I'm, I'm listening to podcasts. I'm watching things. I'm like running with, uh, you know, five episodes of like your podcast or whatever rich role or and any of those things. And it's like, oh, I can't listen to my podcast though. I don't know. If you can. I, I, like, I don't listen, listen to, to my it podcast and I, like, either. Criticize it the whole way, and it ruins my workout. Oh, you can't do that. You gotta give love to yourself. That's why I don't listen. I think. Well, I think part of adventuring, yeah, is is this lesson that I've learned. It's like just radical self love, which is so cheesy as well. But like, you have to be kind to yourself when you're swimming in the ocean and like <laughs> suffering in the waves. I mean eventually you're going to fail a lot when you adventure, but it's kind of fun to fail. Like when you fall on your surfboard, it's just funny. You fall in the ocean. It doesn't hurt that bad. When you climb up a rock wall, like you're going to have some mistakes. Hopefully you're attached to ropes and it's not a huge deal if you come off, if you've got the right gear. Um, When you hike, you're going to go the wrong way a couple of times. And that's kind of the point. Like adventure forces us to sort of make these mistakes, but have fun doing them. Yes. I think that's the key though, like have fun making the mistakes. And I think that's like the best lesson, right? Because it's not always fun though. Sometimes it's more fun in retrospect. Like there's been plenty of times where I'm like, this sucks. This is awful. I wish I'd never done this. And sometimes you don't learn those lessons till later on. So surfing was like your first big adventure activity, right? And you've been doing that for how long? Yeah. I mean, you'd think I'd been doing it only for a year, but by the way, I surfed, but I've been surfing since I was 11. And I'm not that good. I have terrible style, but I have an epic smile every time I go. And, and you love it. I love it. I, I don't like huge waves. I like small summer waves, and I'm super happy. And I just, I find surfing really joyful. And I actually taught surfing when I was a really young girl, kind of right after I learned to surf, because my best friend started this all-woman surf school. And there just weren't a lot of women at the time who surfed and she was my babysitter. And what's so cool about surfing is women would come for like a weekend or maybe a week-long clinic because we did those too. And they learned to stand up and ride a wave. And the smile on their face was like the coolest thing you've ever seen. And it was just a contagious feeling. And often they'd call me a couple weeks later and they'd say, (laughs) they'd be like, Shelby, I quit my job that I needed to quit. Or they would break up with some deadbeat person that they were in a relationship that they'd really been struggling to finally end the relationship with. Or or like I'd get someone who was moving across the country to a place with a better beach. In fact, yeah, my nephew's kindergarten teacher, I taught her how to surf when she lived in Canada. And I was 19 years old. She quit her job, moved to San Diego, became a surf instructor at Surf Diva Surf School, then became a teacher and like surfs way better than me now. It's awesome. That's so funny. That's amazing though that you can teach people to surf. I've actually always wanted to learn how to surf. So it's going to be my aha moment. I have such a strong gut feeling about it. I just know there's so much value in it for me. Like I, I, I am not a good, like I'm a solid swimmer in the pool. Like I could swim miles. Put me in the open water and I'm like, shark, shark, jellyfish, jellyfish, shark, shark, jellyfish, jellyfish. I'm drowning. I'm dying, you know, every other breath. And then finally I make it like 100 yards 
And I'm like, oh, I did that. Okay, now I'm all right. Like shark, shark, jellyfish. It's like Dory. Like, you know, it's repeating throughout my mind for 45 minutes. And I know that it's just because I don't understand the ocean, right? Now, I also windsurf for like 16 years. So if I'm on top of the water, I get it. Like I understand the wind. I understand the current. I understand the patterns. But like I feel like surfing is the missing link. And if I can get in the water and surf, then I think it will help my swimming. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I think surfing is between windsurfing and swimming. So it's a good segue. You're just on the same board without a sail. So you're still on top of the water. You don't have to be in it. You're not looking at anything. You're above it. I feel much safer on a surfboard than when I'm swimming naked, even though I'm not like much above the water. I've got like two inches of foam separating me, but you're still at the surface of the water. I don't know if any amount of understanding is going to change your relationship with the ocean. Yeah. You can read all the books you want. Yeah. I think you just need practice. Just do it. You just, just need to get, get out there. there. Like there's some instances where education helps you. Yeah. But like, I could study sharks all day and it ain't going to take away my fear of sharks. Right. Like it's carnal. It's innate. Like I know they definitely don't want to eat me, but like I'm not a good food source for a shark, but fear is natural and it's healthy and it keeps us alive and it keeps us safe. And look, I went swimming with, with my partner and he like panicked halfway to this buoy and back. And I was like, what is wrong with you? Like there's old people swimming. There's like kids. We were alone and he's just got this weird feeling. Yeah. Sure enough, he kept going. He's like, I'm going to go in. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep going. Cause I knew if I kept going, he'd, he would follow he'd catch you, up. Or he'd be too scared to go so back he did. by himself. And he, <laughs> and yeah. And so he, he relaxed. He made to the buoy. He was so happy with himself. He came back in and, and he didn't grow up swimming. Like he'd right. never done this. Like it was a big deal for him. And then we got on land and someone's like, oh, did you see that shark? <laughs> I was like, oh no. <laughs> he had a gut instinct that there was something out there. That's so, so funny. you know, yeah. your, your gut is, is healthy and it keeps you safe. And the, the truth is, is that you live in New York City. Like yeah. chances of you dying by getting hit by a car much or higher bigger. than a shark. But yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and what other kind of stuff do you like to do? Like what other adventures are like your go-tos? I, I used to be like cool and hardcore. And now mm-hmm. I like, I like easy hikes and walks that are outside. I mean, I'm pretty simple. I am going, I really want to try ice climbing. It mm-hmm. sounds terrifying. I like snowboarding, but I like rock climbing at the gym. I know that's not outdoors in nature, but there's something about scaling a rock wall that just makes you feel like a badass. Okay. And it recruits a lot of muscles that you don't normally use. Yeah. So I I like rock climbing just because it's hard and fun. And I I usually like just reward myself with beverages in between climbs like kombucha or whatever they have there, cold brew. Yeah. And what else do I like to do? Open ocean swimming is scary, but I, I like that. Okay. And I like taking my kids boogie, like my niece and nephews boogie boarding. Like boogie boarding is really fun and joyful and easy. And you have this big piece of foam protecting you. Yeah. Um, so you can do that in New York. Yeah. No, I mean, we've got Montauk and East Hampton and, you know, there's also like Brooklyn, you know, Coney Island. There's no waves there, but I mean, maybe there's not, nah, there's no waves there. But I mean, we, I usually go out to the, to, to the beach, like, Long Beach is great surfing. I'm not surfing there, but there's yeah. a famous Long Island surf club uh, coach that teaches out there. Um, 
there's a lot of beaches here, but you know, it's, well, yeah. Maybe you should invest in a surf instructor. Like I think for I the price thinking. of a fancy dinner. Yeah, totally. Just an hour lesson with like someone who's really fun. Yeah. And just can push you into waves. They can keep you safe. They can supply the board, maybe the wetsuit if you need one. And they take everything, all the guesswork out of it. So all yeah. you have to do is show up. That would be awesome. I think about it every summer. And then I'm like, but I've got to train for triathlon. I've got to do that like 100-mile bike and the run. And But I, I make excuses. You're a triathlete. That's oh, badass. Yes, I am a triathlete. I used to do that. You did. What, yeah. Did you yes. ever do Alcatraz? I, I did like – I Coast. did not. No. I did like sprint. I did sprint races. I was such a, a baby. Like going long distance is hard on my body. I don't, I don't know. I've just never been. I love it. I love how much, but I hated how much I had to eat. Yes. Like I was always just so hungry. Yeah. And that was annoying to me. You really do. I have like, in addition to all the food I eat, I have like a protein smoothie every day. So it's, it's just like I have yeah. to. I need the calories. I need the protein. I need the food. But yeah, I love it. What are some things, you know, I always ask people this from sports and training. Like what do you take away that empowers you for success in your day-to-day? -day? So since you're a, an adventurer and you like to really do these kinds of things, like what do you think you take away from that for your business and life in general? I think that courage is a big one. You yeah. know, there are no guarantees with like business at least the business that I'm in, podcasting, yeah. like you either have a successful podcast or you don't. And some of it's kind of out of your control yeah. and you have to take risks. I think curiosity is something that adventure has taught me. I think surrendering a little bit is something I've learned with adventure. Like I've had to let other people actually, you know, I sold my podcast to REI and I've right. had to let them run the show. And that was hard for me at first, but it's been awesome because my team is really great and adventure has taught me to trust. Like you have to, like when you're surfing in the ocean, you can't control a wave. You can control your bike, you control running like right. in a triathlon, but you can't control the ocean. And so you have to just surrender her. Yeah. And I know that sounds cheesy, but like no. it's a really good lesson that I've taken in business. And then the last one is like kindness, which seems like an unlikely lesson mm -hmm. that you need an adventure, but being kind to others and, and kind of being like a trail angel mm -hmm. along the way. I actually really was looking through the book and I love that you talk about microdosing nature. That's pretty cool. It's a saying that a lot of people are using, you know, microdosing you don't have or, to yeah. like yeah, they're talking about microdosing, and I'm like, you can just microdose nature. I have a friend who actually started a podcast, I think, called Microdose Nature. That's awesome. After that. But you don't need to, like, binge nature. Like, not all of us have access to nature. We live in cities. Right. I think keeping houseplants is a way to have some nature in your life. Going for a hike, looking up at stars, just yeah. getting outside. Yeah. Make, going on one trip a year. That's little doses are, are great. Yeah. And they can go a long way. So talk to me about these trail signs and the trail angels, because I know you talk about that in your book. And I thought I actually have one right recently. So a trail sign. Yeah, sort of like. OK. Yeah. So I always believe that when you're really stuck, for me, asking for a sign has always helped me get unstuck. Right. I think a lot of us have decision fatigue. Like there's a lot of decisions we have to make on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I wish that I could just like 
I wouldn't grow up religious and I always wished I could just pray and someone could make a decision for me. Yep. And I didn't learn that. And I wish I'd had more of a sense of spirituality, but, but I didn't. And it's something I'm trying to develop, but I do believe in signs, which is, which is woo woo in its own way. And, um, it's like you're I my think twin, when you're lost, but like you're on the West Coast and like you're not. It's so weird. I know, we're, we're new best friends. This yeah, is so awesome. Totally. I'm getting on a plane. So, so I think, <laughs> yeah. I think when you're lost, you just got to do what all hikers do when they're lost. You look for the trail sign. Okay. And I, I, I've had to make a lot of decisions in my life, like quitting my job at the height of the recession to be a journalist, which is really dumb on paper. Um, because I, I, I look for signs, and signs yeah. will either point to you to where you need to go. Or they'll be painful and they'll point you to where, you know, there's a cliff. And if you keep going, you're going to fall off and get hurt. And, you know, the book starts in a really vulnerable place where I kept getting signs that I was going the wrong way and that I was completely stuck. And when I decided to finally unstuck myself, unstick myself, you know, the signs started pointing me towards another direction. And, and life tends to work out when you listen to those signs. And I, I think what's cool is I've interviewed all types of adventures. From yes. Old men to older old ladies to, you know, Alex Honnold, who's free soloing El Capitan, to people you've just never heard of. And then, you know, people like Cheryl Strayed. And a lot of them have had signs in their lives. So like one of the most classics was a woman named Steph Jagger, who was on a chairlift at Whistler, Canada. And she just realized that, she was kind of on the corporate hamster wheel. She had just mortgaged, gotten a new house. She was doing great in her job. And she was like, but I just wish I could ski on like the weekdays. Like I could as a kid or just more in life and had a little bit more freedom. And just then she told her friends that she wished she could ski around the world. And they laughed at her. She'd never said that before. And then she looked up as she was getting off the chairlift at Whistler, Canada. And she saw this sign. And the sign said, lift your restraining device. And it literally was a metal sign attached to the post that refers to taking your chairlift post and lifting it up so you could ski back down the hill. Yeah. And it said, lift your restraining device. And she realized she needed to lift her restraining device on her entire life. And she did. She like quit her job and shuddered like out of everything and skied around the world. It was hard. It took her a couple of years to save up. But when she did, she ended up breaking a record and meeting her husband along the way. And it wasn't That's all peaches so cool. and ice cream. Like yeah. She had she had to. But um, there's other people in the book, like a runner who his sign came to him in the form of a book. Or for you, maybe it comes in a podcast. Like I've gotten a lot of ideas from podcasts. But when you feel that electric ping, right. it just makes you feel so good or you forget to eat. Like I really like to eat. Like if I forget to eat, I should pay attention. Yeah. Um, and if something's pointing you toward where you shouldn't go, like maybe you keep imbibing in that extra glass of wine at dinner or you're fighting with customer service agents that like have no control over your phone bill, mm -hmm. but you're fighting with them anyway because you could just be nice to them. And yeah. it's still going to take a long time to figure out your answer, but you could be nice. If you find yourself like being obnoxious or rude or bitchy, like I've been many times, you might be stuck and you need to pay attention. I think that's great advice. Yeah. I mean, it, it really helps to get educated and have a plan, but like there's some things you're going to do in life where there's no roadmap, especially right. if it's a wild idea. So you're just going to have to like do the best you can, but like kind of like open ocean swimming, like you can study it, but you kind of eventually got to just like get in the ocean and put one arm in front of the other and go for it.
Yeah. So how do you decide what your next adventure is going to be? Like what's on your bucket list? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the book tour. I, I get the, the, well, you know, the book tour has been like a little slow. We'll see if it ke keeps going. I, I would love to do more in-person events. Publishers aren't totally investing in in-person events these days yeah. because, and the, during the pandemic, they saw the power of podcasting and I love podcasting, but I love connecting with people in real life. So yeah. I don't know. Like right now I'm, I'm sort of like used this, I decided this summer I'll market the book. And then in the fall, I'm going to do my first trip to Europe. I've spent a lot of time in Latin America, no time in Europe. I'm going to do a two week trip. And then I've put some feelers out into the world and I'm going to start paying attention to the signs, but I gave myself grace because gosh, I've done enough adventures to know that after a big adventure, like finishing a book or a huge race or a big climbing trip, there can often be some fatigue and depression at the end. And I had two author friends who were like, watch out. And I was like, what do you mean watch out? And they're like, after you write a book and you get all these accolades and all this praise, there's like often a serious depression afterwards. And I was like, oh God. So it was already like hard enough writing the book. And now I'm going to like go into this like postpartum book depression. So I have been wary of that and giving myself grace and just not paying too much attention to like numbers because selling a book in 2023 is hard. I mean, I know that's the point of the book tour and I know that's, you know, I know that's not the point of writing a book though. You know, it's more about getting your message out there and helping people. And I think that's, you know, that comes through, but I think also like you do have to pay the rent. So, you know, but I think, yeah, you have to pay the rent. Yeah. So totally. Exactly. So I'm, I'm working on like a little rest and some big kid energy and then just connecting with new people. Like this has been really joyful to meet, you know, I think during COVID all of us were quite isolated. Yeah. And so if we can connect at least, you know, through podcasts, but in real life, it's been really joyful. You have another podcast, Vitamin Joys. I listened to your conversation with Adam Skolnick. First of all, I love listening to him on Rich Roll with Rich. And I just thought it was really interesting because you were talking about writing a book and your process. I kind of dialed into all of the other conversations that you have. I really like that podcast too. Thank you. I love Vitamin Joy. And it is a lot of work. And I don't have like a main sponsor like REI, who well, REI now owns Wild Ideas, but um, I am thinking about bringing it back. I, I'm really interested in the intersection of mental health and humor, which is okay. vitamin joy, and mental health and adventure, which Wild Ideas addresses. But yeah, vitamin joy is something I started during the pandemic because I was like, God, this is so hard. And yeah. all of us are taking everything so seriously and it's so rigid. And like we have all these rules and we're canceling each other. And one side hates the other. And like it's always been like this. I think we just have more awareness yeah, of how polarized we've become. And look, there's real issues today. I totally get it. But um, I wanted to talk about things like addiction and mental health and humor. Yeah. And so I would like to bring it back. And it's it's on the back burner of my mind. I haven't started pushing it yet. But um, but you're busy with the book. It's the right opportunity. Yeah. I'm a little busy with the book. So I, I put it on the back burner, but, but it's simmering in the back burner of my mind. And when I feel that, like, ping, you know, I'll start showing up and doing the work and, and making it happen. And if if I do the work and it just goes nowhere, then 
I'll see that as a sign. And if it starts going somewhere, then I'll, I'll take that as a, as a need to dig deeper. And, and I'm not saying it's always peaches and ice cream. Like yeah, the road is not always linear. Yeah. It, sometimes you go backwards to go forward. Sounds like you learn a lot. Like, I mean, obviously, but you learn so, so much and you're absorbing like so many good lessons from all the people that you talk to and from your own life experience. And I'm sure writing this book, but I mean, it's not always linear, right? No, life isn't linear. Like sometimes you go really far backwards and you go the wrong way and you take these side routes and sometimes it sucks. And so yeah. I don't want to like sugarcoat it. But yeah. um, I think the cool thing about podcasting is someone told me early on this famous Jim Rohn quote that you're often the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah. And I wanted to elevate like my own life. And I figured if I started spending time with these thought leaders in these areas I was interested in, yeah, you know, maybe they didn't live near me, but, but podcasting gave me an access to, to talk to them and an entryway. Yeah. I feel similarly. I think, yeah. Like when I started my podcast, I just was like, I think we have similar career paths too, like on the backside behind the scenes, yeah. like marketing and PR. And then like I was just working with all these people and I needed like an escape and I needed to, to branch out and talk to more people that maybe weren't my clients. I think that podcasting is, I think, and I think that podcasting was a great way to do it. I'm also not like, I don't love writing like for myself, right? Like it's just not my jam. Like I'm not going to sit down, relax and write. Like those things don't go together for me, but I do it. It's necessary. But, um, but I think like, you know, when it comes to, podcasting it's it's you still have to write but you just it's just more organic I don't know but it helps a lot of people too like I get a lot of and I'm sure you do as well like from you know from from like wild adventures and your podcast and vitamin joy like I'm sure you get a lot of feedback from listeners like just talking about how great the conversations were and all of that right I used to get a lot more feedback from people I don't think people are like talking about podcasts as much as they used to as far yeah. as like I think I have a really loyal listener base and like if something really radical comes up I'll, I'll hear from someone but I think that's the thing that is hard about podcasting is now. you have no idea who's listening to you like yeah. I had no idea you were listening to me right. and it's just really cool now that I have a book like sometimes you can tell by book reviews yeah. or podcast reviews who these people are yeah. but they can always make up fake names so like you just don't know. So when you do in-person events or connect with people in real life, then you find out who you're talking to. What um, Were there any like authors or writers that inspired you in, in your process of writing your book? Yeah, I, I, a lot of the authors that you, you see in the book. So Chris McDougall is someone I made friends with early on in my writing career, and he's just a courageous and wonderful writer. He wrote the book Born to Run. I love Florence Williams. She wrote this book called The Nature Fix, and then a really great book called Heartbreak that just won a pen award, which is like really? a cool award in the writing world. And she combined like sex, love, adventure, all in a book. And I, I just thought it was so great. And she's, you know, sciencey and, and she was kind. She really offered to help me. I like Adam Skolnick. I love David Goggins' book, which is what he ghost wrote. And then I like old school books like um, The War of Art, which is a really good book about the process of Writing Art by Stephen Pressfield. There's, of course, Anne Lamott's Bird by Bird. Yes. And I love comedy. So there's actually this New Zealand writer named Marin Tate, okay. whose work I really loved. And she writes 
kind of like romantic comedy books okay. that often have like a New Zealand element to them. Um, but there's so many writers that have influenced me over the year. I, I grew up in La Jolla. Dr. Seuss was like a guy that we went and saw at the bookstore. I know he's become controversial over the years, yeah. but he's someone we saw at the bookstore. And um, yeah, I mean, he, he so crushed it. Like he was so one you, of the first big... Do you love books? I loved them. I didn't yeah. read a ton. Yeah. Like I'm not like a voracious reader. Um, I would rather be outside running, but I love a good book. Like I've actually started reading fiction at night and it just makes me so calm and so excited to, it helps me sleep better too. I've, every time I open a book at night, I fall asleep. So I guess that's the goal, but I never get past like a couple pages. So it's because you run so hard and you bike so much during the day. I'm, I used to be the same way. I, I'm yeah. similar too. Yeah. I mean, did, so did you like, what was the sort of like your aha moment, maybe like deciding like, oh, I'm going to write a book. Like, cause you've been, had this podcast, you, you're much more like on audio and then, yeah. Well, I mean, the truth is I was a writer. Like when I was 11, I said I was going to write a book. And then when I was 20, I was going to write a book. And then when I quit my job at Vans, I took all these writing, okay. extra writing courses. I studied journalism in college. So I, I was a writer and I was really good when I was younger. And then I think I got lazy as I got older. And then I found podcasting and I was like, screw <laughs> writing. And then my mom like busted out three books. And I was like, my mom just wrote three books. No problem. And then I had all this pressure in my head because I told everybody I'd write a book and I tried to write books so many times. I started like a memoir three different times, finished one, never published it, even tried to pitch agents, talked to big time agents, gave up. And then during the pandemic, I was like, I mean, there's no better time than now to sell this thing. Yeah. And I'd been doing some speaking gigs about the podcast and the lessons I learned from them. Yeah. And I just kept realizing there's was, there was so many books about adventure, but there was no book that told you about the mindset of adventure, how to go have one, what to do when you're stuck, what to do when you have imposter syndrome, like how to do a small adventure or a big adventure. And like, I wanted to show a range of examples. And I, I think, you know, I've told you my story. Yeah. But the stories of the other people in the book, that's what people are writing me about. They like my story, but like there's a couple of people in the book that really have impacted people and, and one story that makes you cry and then one story that makes you laugh out loud and another story that will make you use an inappropriate word at the top of your lungs, which is great. Give me one story. In a story. playful way. There's a really cool woman. I'll just give you a female story since you're, you're, you're a woman. Um, this woman that was 55 was skiing unsupported and unaided with her husband across Antarctica and it's freezing there and they've been going for days and days and days and she was going through menopause and um, there's a really funny story that was also very terrifying of what happened when like she had her period and wasn't expecting it and she was using a diva cup because she didn't want to take take tampons because they take extra weight and like you know she had to be really careful about everything she packed yeah a diva cup is like a moon cup or like you stick it inside you yeah and uh it got stuck because it was so cold and then how she got it unstuck and what happened afterwards it's it's like pretty funny um that's hysterical i can't even imagine there, yeah i'm gonna there, read it there's it, it kind of sucked. And there's another woman that's just a short little bit about her but she was 85 and she relearned to surf at 85 and um, her story is really cool. There's a story about a body positive runner yeah. who, you know, was like 250 pounds and started running ultra marathons. And now she's like the face of Lululemon and 
crushing it and just so joyful and has brought so many people to the world of running that didn't think that they looked like a runner, could be a runner. Yeah. Um, there's someone that was the first outdoor drag. I mean, there's so many stories. There's a lot of good, good stories. It's a great book. I mean, it's a great book for, for everyone, really, because I feel like it could be a business book. It could be like an like a motivational book or it could be like you want to get out and adventure and figure out how to do it. But it's very easy to follow. And well, thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. It wasn't the easiest thing to write. So. <laughs> no. No, I know. I'm, I'm sure. glad you like it. Yeah, it's good. I think it's, I mean, you know, I hope that my listeners can, I'll put a link in the show notes and tell them to get it. And I also think they should listen to your podcast, especially if they like my podcast. Oh, because it's like all these amazing guests and you're such a good host. I love the production. So good. Well, that's really nice of you. Thank you. And, and we're lucky. We have a team. So I found a girl when I started early on and um, she was working at another production company and I liked her bio and I, she sounded like she was a writer, which was really important to me. Yeah. And she hiked and she was living abroad in like Portugal. I was like, okay, this girl's cool. She can hang. And then she ended up going off and starting her own company. And then REI hired her. That's when, great. Um, yeah. So it's cool. It's, it's been really lucky. And then she's grown and she has this big business now. It's really cool. That's very cool. Yeah. The music is good. What other shows do you like to listen to? Oh, well, there are shows – I like the same shows you do. Like, okay. I really still love Tim Ferriss. I yeah. think he's great. And every now and then I'll listen to Rich Roll, though it's pretty long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I listened to this one show recently. It was called The Mind Valley Podcast, but it was the guest that really sucked me in. His name is Srikumar Rao, and he was, like, just this beautiful philosopher. He did a TED Talk. It was amazing. I actually really like Gabby Reese's show. Yeah, she's good. I think she's great yeah. at interviewing people. I think there's one called On Bing with Krista Tippetts that I think is beautiful. Yeah. And I don't listen to too many podcasts you anymore. To, have, you listened to, have you ever listened to Atlas Obscura? No. Is it's, it awesome? It's definitely awesome. It's a travel podcast, Atlas Obscura. Every episode is like 15 minutes and it explores like all these sort of off the grid places that you would never discover. Like Ooh, I love really, that. really interesting. I haven't listened in a while, but the last, like the last, the one that sticks out in my mind the most is like this story about haunted tunnels in Nyack, which is where I ride my bike all the time. So I'm like, every time we ride wow. to Nyack, I'm like, there are haunted tunnels here. It, that kind of, it's that kind of scared. stuff. I'm scared. That yeah. sounds amazing. It sounds really fun. Yeah, it's a fun podcast. And so what are some of your favorite episodes on your podcast? Well, I would say my favorite episode ever is actually the oldest person that's ever been on the podcast. And she was a 91-year-old Holocaust survivor at the time. Her name is Dr. Edith Eager. And she's still alive and she's just awesome. And she's funny. And then I also love the episode with Brian K. Olana, who's a famous Hawaiian waterman. He's just been super influential in my own life and coached me into like this really scary wave when I quit my job at Vans and went to Indonesia to become a journalist. And, and he's just a really great guy. And, and ironically, his daughter is in this new show on Amazon Prime called Surf Girls. And it's just oh, really cool. Like, cool. And then the other weirdest, kind of most wild idea, fascinating guy I've interviewed was the cave diver who rescued some of the kids that were stuck in the cave that were part of the Thai soccer team oh, back right. in, I think it was like 20. 19 or something it was a while ago um but he was a fascinating guy obviously alex honnold is interesting yeah he's it's a good podcast 
I like the one with the surfing yeah. couple, the, the big wave surfing couple. Was it McDonald's or? Oh, the McNamara's. McNamara's. McNamara's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're they're cool. Yeah. I, I've had some interesting people on the show. You've had and, amazing um, people on the show. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I'm sure you have too. And and it only – people are amazing. I think that's the thing is like everybody has a story to tell. And like some yeah. people are obsessed with pl- plants. Some people are obsessed with dogs. Yeah. I just love people. Like I think they're yeah. so cool. It's obvious. This is so much fun. This has been awesome, Shelby. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You're so nice. I really appreciate it. And – um yeah, it's been a joy. I'm, I'm easy to find. I'm at Shelby Stanger on Instagram and shelbystanger.com. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, marnieonthemove.com for more info on this episode links in the show notes and of course sign up for our quarterly newsletter the 